What's up, everybody? All right, so uh, Aiden Miller and I, this is uh, Aaron Miller. We're going to be hosting this podcast tonight. We are joined by the beautiful Father Nathan. A <laughs> <laughs> stallion of a man over there across the table from me. Um, so let's keep the, the intros fairly short because um, we want the podcast to be about the podcast, not about the podcasters. So my name is Aaron Miller. I'm 23 years old, married. I have a beautiful little daughter. She just came to us in December. Um, currently an aspiring pilot, so going to school for that. Uh, and I've been a member of the St. Parish or St. Peter's Parish for uh, maybe eight years or so. Um, so that's that's me in a nutshell. Uh, Aiden Mikey. Moving on to my introduction. I'm Aiden Miller. I'm Aaron's younger brother. I'm 21 years old. Going through the the uh, fire academy right now, and I've uh, been a part of St. Peter's for oh, since I was 12 years old or so. It's an awesome parish. I love the canons, um, and I love everything that's going on over here at St. Peter's and. Can't wait to launch this podcast. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be good. I am Father Nathan Caswell, and I am the pastor of St. Peter Parish as of about two months or so. I, I've lost track already. It seemed like a long time. <laughs> and, Congratulations. Uh, and I'm very happy to be on this podcast, which is hosted in uh, St. Peter Church Studios. Yeah, St. Peter's studio. has been very, Singular very, very studio. gracious to, to let Aiden and I set up our, our podcast studio here, so we appreciate the space. And, it's a beautiful uh, studio, too. It is a good look. This is studio. the first uh, first official podcast with us three in yeah. our new studio. So uh, there are the intros. Let's dive right in. Um, we were talking a little bit before the podcast about what we're going to talk about, and uh, one topic that I think we're all interested to talk about is... What is our response to the coronavirus, okay, from a spiritual standpoint, right? What, what are we going to do? Well, how are we going to use this time? That's something I've been thinking a lot about lately because all of a sudden, school's canceled, and I have a lot of free time. So, okay, how, how can I use this time productively? Because I don't want to just sit around and binge watch Netflix and keep tabs on the news and waste away this time that we've been given. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and idle, idle hands of the devil's playground. So, right. Yes. So it's definitely a breeding ground for terrorism, terrorism, (laughs) (laughs) terrorists, terrorists. Um, so yeah, I suppose that would be it. What, so what what are we going to do? What goals do we have for this, for this time? Cause we don't know how long it's going to be, but okay. What, what? So you made a good point at the beginning when we were talking about this. What, how are we, uh, what, everyone's schedule just came to an abrupt halt or is grinding to a halt very quickly. Mm-hmm. All of the whole societal structure, in a sense, is undergoing change. And we, so there is a change happening. So how do we respond to that change? Mm-hmm. And I would just put up front uh, the basic option, which is to one, not respond to it at all. And to just numb ourselves with entertainment and whatever else, just, you know. Just think of it as a vacation, sort of. Right. Yeah. Just just, free for all. It's a write-off. Yeah, a write-off. Totally yeah. write-off, yeah. Or we can use this time to do something, to make ourselves better. Right. To, uh, and yeah, so that's. Well, that's, that's what I was question. thinking about today. I was driving up, you know, I was doing something for 
one of the hobbies that I have or whatever. And I was, you know, after I got done saying my rosary, I'm like, you know, I always say, oh man, I didn't get to church today to pray because, oh, my, my schedule is too jam-packed. Now my schedule is wide open. So now, oh man, there is no excuse for me not to make the time to do the things that I've been mm-hmm. saying that I want to do. You know, oh, I want to read this book. I want to go right. to church every day and pray. No excuse not to do that. So, But not only that, but like from my standpoint and your standpoint and all men's standpoint, obviously, we spend the majority of our lives working. You know, you know our family, my dad, you, me, you know, very work oriented. And that's a huge part of our lives. And it's a super good way to, you know, become virtuous and offer offer up your sufferings and your work for the Lord and all that, all that great stuff. So a good question that I have is, as the working class men, how do you be, how do you continue to work in a time of no work? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there's that itch for sure. There's that itch of like, oh man, you know, I I want to be doing something. I want to be working. I want to be working. You know, right? Make that's money. It. It's, it's like in our DNA, and all of a sudden, productivity. You can't do anything. Yeah, your opportunity for productivity is just shot right now. Right. There's only, so long, there's only so long you can, you can go on doing that. Yeah. So Pope Benedict XVI says that uh, in Caritas and Veritate, his encyclical, social encyclical, uh, How to Do Good, um, that uh, he says work is, uh, work gives dignity to man, paraphrasing. Right. Work gives dignity to man, and mm-hmm. if he doesn't have work, then he loses his dignity. Because work, when we were working... Uh, we're using what God has given us, and we're responding to what God is giving us, uh, and we're participating in Him and participating in His creation. Right. right. When we are not working, not making something with our hands, mm-hmm. we we are losing uh, part of who we are. Yeah. So you look at places that are poverty stricken. One thing that's very common is the men aren't working. Mm-hmm. They've They've not accepted the responsibility of the family, of the, of, of the, you know, protecting the family, taking care of the family, feeding the family. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't have work for themselves and they f- themselves feel worthless um, because they don't, they're not doing what God has right. given them to do. Right. Which, I mean, it's only been a few days, but that yeah, feeling right. almost... Sorry, it was a little extreme. It's only been three days. But, yeah. <laughs> but that feeling is starting to, slip in. starting to creep in. Uh, that feeling of, okay, you know, prior to this, I had my schooling and, you know, things like that. That that was my work. That was what gave me my dignity, right? That's what I was applying myself towards. And then all of a sudden, poof, we don't have class for the next month, right. you know? Or however long. Which leaves you, you in that quagmire of just... Uh, how do how do I maintain this sense of self worth while remaining fairly idle? You know, not going out and doing something. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I don't have an answer for Seems it. Seems like a certain lethargy of the brain. Yeah, like you're you're on. It's you 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 feel like you're being eroded against your own you know desire. Mm-hmm. You feel like you want to be out there working, but you're getting you know. You have an extended weekend that you just have to, hey, man, there's no work. All right. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that there is something that you can do. There is always that essential choice. If you look at people who um, 
who were in the concentration camp. Mm -hmm. Right. That they had, of course, they had their work that they had to do, but, you know, everything was against their will. Nothing, they had no freedom except for the freedom that was in their heart. And with that freedom in their heart, they chose to do something. Mm -hmm. They chose to love God. They chose to express that in some way. They chose to love their neighbor. They, uh, to, to go outward. And when right. we, like, so when we have, you know, like, however, however many weeks off, when we, we have this time off, we can just accept defeat interiorly, or we can say, no, I need to do something. Right. Someone was just, uh, was just bringing up today Victory Gardens. I don't know a lot about Victory Gardens, but uh, World War Two. People planted gardens. It's like the way that they can contribute is to grow food for the country. Hmm. Everybody was involved in this thing. And you could like sit back and say, oh, we're at war. People are dying. No. What can I do to help? Right. In the same way, yeah. Yeah, what right little now, thing. What yeah, can I suppose, we do to help? Yeah, when you were saying that, I was thinking about, um, you know, St. Therese of Lisieux in the little way, you know. Okay, I'm at home for however long. What I need to do is just, okay, my work shifted from school and, you know, actual money-making work to how can I help around the house? How can I make helping my wife my job, my full-time job? That would be, yeah, that, I mean, that would be great for the marriage. That would be great for my self-worth and, you know, feeling like I'm doing something, mm -hmm. right? The other thing I was thinking um, was just applying myself intellectually to the faith, you know, cause with work, I had so much, um, so much of my mind devoted to school to where now, you know, I don't, I don't need to devote quite as much. So, okay, now is the time to buckle down on my knowledge of the faith a little bit more, which I was really good about a long time ago, but you know, kind of got away from a little bit. So one of my goals for this virus is to finish the new Testament. Yeah. Which I think would probably be a good thing. writing it? Yeah, I was going to write a new one. <laughs> you'll hear it at Mass. When we, whenever we come back from the virus, the reading from the book of Aaron. <laughs> What's up, everybody? So. <laughs> um, new episode on the podcast. So, that's, yeah, that's kind of yeah, what I was no, thinking. Absolutely. What do you think of that? As, as, so there's work with our hands, right? Mm -hmm. And there's work, mental work. Yeah. Um, Dedicating yourself to study is obviously, uh, it's obviously real work, <laughs> you know, um, and yeah, that's absolutely, that's great. I mean, so I think one thing would be, I just think back to when I was living in Northern Canada and I lived, my whole life was a time that was very similar to the time we're entering into right here. Oh, really? Um, where there was 50 people who live in the town. You don't talk to, you don't talking to very many people very often, uh, but we had books and we had a whole library of books and you read, oh, yeah. you read and read. Now we were talking today about how people who read more than they talk to people, they come up with creative ways of, of, uh, uh, of pronouncing words. Yes. Because they've never heard anyone pronounce <laughs> the words, so they're like reading comprehension is way above their speaking comprehension. Yeah. So I, I was just laughing today, thinking about that, how we... You know, growing up, you know, we would, I'd hear my little brother say something, whereas we were always making fun of each other, how we said words. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, 
point is we, we can read. And what would that, be some good things to read? Uh, well, New Testament would be good. Okay. It's good. Always, I mean, that's it. Should well, be standard. That's what, I was, that's that what I was thinking. Standard. I was like, that I'm, should be like, yeah. like the everyday, a little bit every day, all the time. Yeah. Uh, in good times and in bad. Um, but um, if you can handle it, the sumar. Really? Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know if I'm smart enough for that. You are. <laughs> but you you can't read it like a how novel. do you read that yeah, you, do you, you have read to read book? it um you have to appreciate every sentence mm-hmm. uh and see how every sentence is a is logical and logically placed there and so expect to read one question when you sit down okay you know give yourself one question and mm. understand what he's saying no there's a lot of vocabulary that's uh uh theological vocabulary and philosophical vocabulary right um but take the time to look up those words that's i mean yeah um, study is right you know right take it and if there's something you don't understand okay what does this sentence mean what Mm -hmm. does this mean it's so deep Uh, whenever you read the sumo you actually sit down and read it and open your heart to it you come away as if you were in contemplation like with this really like once you see something, once you have that that interior, that capturing of an idea, it's just it's amazing. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So what's something else we can read besides the Summa? I mean, the Summa is great, but not everyone's going to read the Summa because it is very dense and very hard. But it's right. wonderful. Mm-hmm. I I really didn't have anything else on my radar. That's kind of why I was going to read the New Testament. Which is probably sounds horrible, but I was like, man, I can't think of any other books to read. Oh, I haven't read that. Maybe I'll read that book. (laughs) (laughs) Compilation of books. I mean, that and novels, you know, just. Yeah, novels? Yeah, just World War II novels. Sure. I'm kind of into that. Yeah, no, that's kind of my thing. There's fun books. Yeah. I mean, that's not novels. There's there's definitely a good purpose for novels. You can learn a lot. Maybe I'll try Flannery O'Connor. Yeah, have you read any? None. Hmm. Very good. She's mysterious. Um, she's very entertaining, and she's very Catholic. People always tell me that, but I don't always know how she's Catholic. Oh, really? Uh, I mean, I kind of do, but you have to really have eyes to see. Mm. Uh, she does everything symbolically, so she like paints pictures of the South, life in the South, and very real... Um, kind of raw things, uh, like death and, and just like people, like a woman with, uh, getting robbed by the side of the road, huh. you know, like just, so maybe very, not a fun read. Well, it kind of is. They're short stories and, oh, okay. but they, and I, and I haven't read a lot. I haven't read Flannery Connor since school, which was like six years ago now. Oh yeah. Um, but I always mean to read more of her. Um, and, but she does have a great sense of the incarnation. Um, she, in fact, read the Summa every night before she went to bed. Did she really? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she was very smart and she was very, um, so she writes about the life in the South and she infuses it with Catholic symbolism. Mm. So you just have to be open to that Catholic mm. symbolism or not. You don't have to be open. You can just enjoy the story. <laughs> yeah. It's worth reading, but I would also, I think, with Flannery O'Connor, find someone who who can explain Flannery O'Connor. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
Going back to the Summa, was that part of the curriculum when you were going through seminary? It used to be the entire curriculum of seminary yeah. back in the day. I was, you know, seminary was um, going through all the questions. Right. It honestly wouldn't be the worst if it was the entire curriculum of seminary nowadays. Um, one of the popes, uh, was it Pope Pius Tenth or Eleventh? Or was it uh, Leo, I think, Leo the Thirteenth, uh, really was pushing St. Thomas for seminaries. Um, and um, he's great. He's a great like standard understanding of theology that you can build on. There's a whole discussion of pro-St. Thomas and anti-St. Thomas. Um, there's a, a, a new people who build on top of mm. St. Thomas and maybe go astray. I don't know. Hmm. I'm not... There's an anti-St. Thomas out there? Well, it's not anti. It's just uh, there's a different way. So St. Thomas very precisely uh, details everything and, you know, uh, breaks everything down uh, so that you can describe it very, uh, very particularly. Right. And there's a mm-hmm. lot of people who are, aren't into all that, you know, think that's that there's a lot of... Uh, it's unnecessarily um, defined. Oh, okay. And and so to and they want to rather they emphasize the mystery of the faith, which is absolutely legitimate, because in as you can you can define the Trinity in all these different words, or you can define the incarnation in all these different words, but ultimately we don't. We can't right. penetrate the mystery to its extent. Right. So you have to, in the end, say there is a mystery. There's something left. Right. That's part of... What, oh, okay. I wouldn't say the anti But I'm sure Thomas. part of the satisfaction is going through with Thomas and being like, all right, this is as best as our human brains can comprehend it. And then this is... From this point, this is where we jump off and say the rest is a mystery. Sure. At least you tried. Yeah, no. Yeah, sure. If you... Makes you feel better. Yeah. Just because we don't... We haven't described everything that exists doesn't mean there's no purpose for science as it is. Right. You know, which science as it is, is, is incomplete. Mm-hmm. It's still in progress coming to know the world. It always has been. Hmm. Um, yeah. And I have a, I have a question. I have a question actually in regards to starting the summa or just whatever type of like intellectual read in regards to that or listen. Mm-hmm. But is there a, is there a certain type of uh, state in life that you need to be in that you are, okay, I've reached this point, now I can consume this uh, information? Yeah, what precursors because are Because I actually, I actually went through, yeah, right? I, I went through a stage where, I'm sure you guys know Father Ripperger, the exorcist mm-hmm. from Census Fidelium. Um, but I went through a stage where I was just, he's a Thomist, and I was in love with everything he was saying. I'm like, this is the most amount of hardcore logic I've gotten in regards to a lot of the questions I have. Right. But I got to a point of where that was the only thing I was consuming. Mm-hmm. And I got to such a point where I'm like, wow, this is built up to such a fruition point where I was starting to actually, I think, spiritually despair because of how hard of a line he was drawing and how hard I was starting to believe it was to, you know, get into heaven. And I hit this point where I'm like, there's no way a schmuck bag <laughs> like me is going to make it into heaven. And I was kind of thinking maybe my mm-hmm. 17-year-old, 18-year-old, 19-year-old self overdosed on information that was not proper to my state in life. Is that a thing? Sure. Sure, I could see that. Um, I would say Father Riverger would never 
uh, he would never want to bring you to that point of despairing of heaven. Right. (laughs) That's the opposite of everything that he's doing. Um, And so we can be, uh, sometimes we can be, not have the right distinctions. Um, Yeah. It's like, it's like my very first Catholic book I ever read was Dark Night of the Soul by St. John of the Cross. And I read that and it was so deep and so spiritual. And I, by the time I was done, I felt like I was a saint. Really? Um, Whoa. But then I joined the novitiate and realized I didn't know anything, (laughs) (laughs) you know? So, but there's so many distinctions and so many, so much back work that I didn't, that I was missing. Mm. Right. Yeah. And, and plus the spiritual life is something that's lived. It's not just reading. Yeah. You know? Right. But we need reading, right? We have to develop our mind We're, we and to, uh, and also to act on what we know. Right. We need to know God and we need to love God. Okay. So with, cause obviously the church has a super rich history of all these fantastic mm-hmm. authors. It might be a bit much just to dive into Aquinas, you know, in the same yeah, way that, okay, sure. I'm not just going to go jump into astrophysics, you know. There are some prerequisites. Why not? Don't sell yourself short. (laughs) I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. (laughs) So what, like, your experience, like, what would be some good prerequisites? Prerequisites. Yes. Um, Say you're you're concocting. Trent Horn has a book called Why We're Catholic. Uh, I've heard of it. Okay. You know, uh, some apologetics material to explain where we are in the faith, right? So the apologetics is typically answering questions. Yeah. Um, but it, it builds up your knowledge of the faith, uh, your knowledge of, of the mysteries. Actually, honestly, the best precursor would be the catechism of the oh, Catholic Church. I need to read that. Yeah, it's excellent. It's you know, absolutely. It's, most of it's derived from St. Thomas. Okay. And But put into simpler words. Ah, oh, that'd be great. Um, I mean, I'm not going to... Now, I tried to read the else. catechism <laughs> a while ago, but I bought the wrong copy, and it was somebody's interpretation of the catechism. Oh. So it kind of went like... Uh, yeah. yeah. It wasn't following well, I, <laughs> the, nice. the usual script, so I put yeah, that on the shelf. So I need to get the, I need the, to get the actual... The Catholic one. Church, yeah. It's very easy. I mean, it's, I mean, it's available online. Um, that is... Like ebook or PDF? Uh, it's on HTML. <laughs> it's on the web pages. That'd be great. Um, but you can, I, I, it's obviously good to have a book so you can sit right. in a corner with something that doesn't have notifications. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Something you could write in, underline, highlight. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Reading the catechism, that would, that would be Ooh, way out there on, on how to make good use of cancel time. Yes. All right. Yeah. So there, two goals for me. Two goals. First one. Finish the New Testament. Absolutely. Which has been a page turner thus far, which is good. <laughs> <laughs> Very good story. <laughs> Meanwhile, Paul's still breathing murderous threats against the Gentiles. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, no, actually. Compared to the Old Testament, it's very exciting. Yeah, Some books the in the Old Testament. Old Testament's pretty exciting. Well, too. I got, I mean, th- I got well, through the fun books and not... Yeah, I mean, yeah, I kind of paused in the in Leviticus. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the book of Job. That was a grind. Just getting it handed to him. 
That'd be a good one. Yeah, Job is what we need in this time. Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't that book like, that's one of the biggest books that people refer to when they're trying to answer the question of evil, right? That, oh, yeah. That book uh, is basically the, the response to the question of evil, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard. Because why does a just man suffer? Yeah. yeah, it's tough. I was talking with Tommy about that the other day. Let me. Really? What, yeah, what were we talking about? Hmm. And I think it might have been natural disaster. I think that might have been the topic. You know, okay, because we understand acts of terrorism and terrible human catastrophes. Like, that's byproduct of free will. It's going to happen, you know? What would you rather have? No free will? No. So, the is that thing what you with, want? You is want that what you really want? want? <laughs> you want to be a slave to love? <laughs> <laughs> a slave to you love. Might as well face it, you're addicted to love. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the karaoke sports um, are always welcome. Yeah, oh, this was his question. I might botch this because it was a while ago. Who knows? Um, oh, we never know because he's not here. So he was asking, um, okay, God can't contradict himself, right? Correct. Correct. I think. Yes. So far, that's a consensus. Um, so, okay, if, if we say that um, a natural disaster is an evil, right? Could we categorize a natural disaster as an, as an evil? Yep. Okay. So if there is a natural disaster, right? Volcano, hurricane, tsunami, um, tsunami, one of those things, Mm -hmm. right? God allows it or causes it. You know, we could say God causes it. Could we? It caused a flood. I could. He allows it. At least he allows it. Right. Well, it's part of it. Well, could you say it caused it? Because it's part of his creation. It's part of the natural... Ebb and flow of he didn't create, how it that's works. That's not how he created creation. For volcanoes to go off? Mm-mm. Volcanoes no? weren't supposed to go off? No. Mm-hmm. So where did they come from after the creation? Well. After the first sin, did they just... Yeah. When Adam and Eve fell, mm. uh, all of nature fell okay. with them. Okay. And so the, and the order that was in nature became disordered aha okay so there you go so then he allows these certain evils and it's not a contradiction because he's not causing them right right okay so you could say they they were an effect of man's free will okay so because of the fall not only was the you know the the ordering between man and man and man and woman and man and beast altered but also nature as well Mm mm-hmm clarity Hmm. feels good yeah (laughs) so there are two kinds of evil physical evil and moral evil okay Uh, moral evil is uh, right and wrong right Uh, what's wrong is moral evil when Mm -hmm. you do something you are acting against the truth that's moral evil evil is a deprivation of the good right? right so then the effect of that is physical evil. Physical evil is pain, is disorder, okay. a disordered physical world, right? 
a deprivation of good in the physical order of things. So that physical evil becomes the punishment it is that the effect of the moral evil and the punishment for and the correction for in God's in God's providence. Right. Another thing that he brought up was are we owed life? That was something that he asked. Are we owed life? Right. So, okay, we have been given this gift of life, and would it be unjust or contradictory of God to all of a sudden just poof, everybody on planet Earth, done? I was arguing that it wouldn't. Yeah. No, it wouldn't. Because we're, we're not owed owe that. Us. God does not owe right. us anything. And because he created us, and not only did he create us, but then we screwed it up. Yeah. And we forfeited all. The, we forfeit all the, all the, goods and promises that he had destined for us. Well, even if we didn't screw it up, would we be owed life? No. We would. I don't think right. we would be owed life, but I think God, who would, in His goodness, create something, would not just uh, destroy it. I don't. I think that goes against the nature of God. Mm-hmm. Really, I don't think so. Because God, God is not an arbitrary. But if He did, would it God be contradictory? God, he's not an arbitrary will, right? He's not an arbitrary. He's not someone who, uh, a being who one day decides this is true and right. The there are no day, whims with God. The next day, the opposite is true. Wait, we started. That's where we started. Right. We started at some point in this conversation. God is not. <laughs> Um, God doesn't contradict himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that, it sounds like it would be a little bit of a mishap if, like, we all just poofed. Like, ah, <laughs> oh, never mind. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, God's well within well, his rights. Well, yeah. I mean, we have no rights. We have no say in the matter. Right, which I think God is gives the... gives us freedom, gives us free will, and he, once he gives us free will, he, um, yeah, he, he, allows he draws us to himself allowing us always free will so that we can be united with him completely in our freedom and in our free will right yeah so would we say that that's maybe this the bottom line of the i guess the evil argument would be we screwed it up we disrupted the order intended and we're not owed anything because of that, things like natural disasters, terrorism, things like that aren't unjust by God. And therefore, God doesn't mm. contradict himself. Would that be it? Um, yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with yes. I'm going to go, uh, back sorry, I'm gonna go with door number one. <laughs> We're gonna have to, I'm going to have to uh, listen to that again. <laughs> Make sure it's not right. lost there. Because that is the big, that's a big problem of the evil, uh, at least with converting folks. Sure. No, that is. Because that's, that's ultimately that's what it comes down to. Because nobody's that, I mean, very, very few folks are atheist yeah. or agnostic because of theological reasons. Because right. those are easy to knock down. Mm-hmm. The real thing is when you get into the, like, the emotions of it. Oh, I just don't feel like. If there really was a God, why would he do these, this right. thing, this thing or Explain. those things? 
bone cancer in a five-year-old or whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That whole thing. Yes. Yeah. Explain explain how evil can exist and there be a God. Mm-hmm. Or the other thing is, well, I'm everything is good. I'm okay. I'm, I'm fine. Uh, I, I don't kill anyone. Therefore, I'm good. Therefore, God wouldn't kill, wouldn't. God wouldn't punish me, right? Because I, I'm good. Right. Yeah. So what do you just decide okay. that our good is that we? I've just decided that. Yeah. So your relativism. Yeah, right. So okay, I haven't had a good answer about this. How do you debate relativism? Uh, I've tried so Matt many Fred times. Matt has an amazing book called Twenty Questions for Relativists." Really? I don't know. He has one for atheists. It's probably the same. <laughs> usually go hand in hand but what, what would you say so somebody comes to you and they're a relativist how do you start chipping away positively so, do you have that piece no where did it go somewhere else it's my jacket so okay. um relativism how why is relativism doesn't why does it not make sense uh there are really good answers out there uh, <laughs> no, mine, I, I would say, first of all, you could say a relativist has to say what, what I believe is truth and what you believe is truth. Yes. Uh, and, but they're both true. And yet those two truths can contradict one another. Right. So how can, you know, how can we, uh, how can those two things exist at the same time? Now, very, you know, there are. Well, that's typically how the conversation goes. You say, okay, mm-hmm. do you think it would be wrong for me to go up and slap your mom in the face? <laughs> yeah, you would hate yeah. that. For me, that's okay. My truth says that that's okay for me to do. How do you reconcile that? And be like, well, whatever's true for you is true for you. Whatever's true for me is true for me. Mm-hmm. And I would be upset about it, and you might not feel bad about it, but at the end of the day... You do you, and I'll do me. What we really need is a relativist in here to to find a way. That's an actual is. conversation I've had with a relativist. Okay. And and they say, okay, well, I'd be mad about it, but I mean, at that point, it just sounds like intellectual pride to me. It's yeah, like, all right, sure. you don't want to admit that your ideology is crazy, so mm-hmm. you're just gonna allow this. Well, you don't want to admit. I mean, yeah, I suppose, but <laughs> got him. Checkmate. Nobody wants to admit You're it. A relativist. Nobody <laughs> wants to admit that, but I mean, I think Sorry. if they're actually searching for the truth, I mean, mm-hmm. they have to no, accept like, some like degree we're of. We're assuming we're having a conversation with someone, and we both want to accept <laughs> the truth, mm-hmm. and and that we're both willing to be humble in the face of the truth and let the truth change us, and not. Conf, you know, and, and yes, dialogue exactly. in the presence mm-hmm. of truth, which is a John Paul would say. John Paul II yeah. would say. And that, so, seems, that seems to be where most that's conversation the conversation with relativists go is just, you know, that wall of intellectual pride. Huh? Right. Yeah, well, so where they the say crazy things and it's just. Right. Okay. I think a relativist would just. They always retreat back into their own relativism. Exactly. So how do you yeah. defeat that? <laughs> I don't know. I've, yeah, I've never. We need, but we need to get someone who actually believes in relativism, so we can 
we can see what they think. Okay. And relativism is a fairly new idea, isn't Rel- it? Relatively. Relative, <laughs> relatively new idea. People have really lost the ability to have good conversations, too, and not get offended. Where do you think that idea has come from? The idea of, oh, I'm good. I don't kill anyone or steal from anyone. I'm, I'm a good person. Uh, the devil. And, no, really. I, I mean, yes. it's, it's, it's uh, pride. It is, that itself is pride, and it's a presumption. And it's been here since the beginning. And every, you know, every person, you know, who's had a, a conscience that's been dulled by it, uh, by repetitive sin, yeah, we'll get to that point where they say, "No, it, uh, I'm fine. You know, this is not really wrong." Right. Mm-hmm. At some point, you lose your ability to think. You lose your ability to your to see what the truth is. And right. I think maybe that's the root of relativism. Yeah, the dulled conscience. Is that dulled conscience where I can always retreat into myself and and proclaim my own morality. Well, at least, yeah, at least I don't do this. Yeah. You know. Right. At least I'm not Hitler. <coughs> right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, but you're you. Yeah. <laughs> you got to save you. Right. And you can't do it by yourself. Right. How do you recover adult conscience? So, okay, say, you're, say you don't kill anyone or steal from people, mm-hmm. but you engage in... Two sins. <laughs> but you engage <laughs> in... Well, that's what most people no, use, yeah, so that's, that's why that, I bring that, it up. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but say you engage in the, the other things that are sinful, right? Like? I Having know, sex before you're married. Okay. Um, right. That's not hurting anyone. Yeah, exactly. That's, okay, that's, so how do you... That's what people are saying. Yeah. Exactly. So how do you recover adult conscience? So, okay, say there's someone out there who's saying, you know, I don't feel bad when I do these things, you know? Mm-hmm. But... I can understand the logic of how this is wrong. Mm-hmm. How do I begin down the road of recovering my conscience? Mm-hmm. So I do feel bad about these things. So let me rephrase it. Let me say this, ask this question a different way. Somebody's coming to you and they say, Father, I've been confessing the same sin for a long time and I don't feel bad about it. How do I get on the road to where I feel bad about it? Because that helps you fight sin. It helps you fight temptation if you say, Oh man, I know I shouldn't do this, and I I I feel bad mm. about entertaining or delighting in this temptation. What things can I do to get started down that road? I like that. Good. Uh, so one thing that's important is to uh, have some someone around you who is uh, who. It, is going to keep you accountable, right? And accountability is when you, you, you're you with someone and their influence on you, you, you're able to lift yourself up on their standards, you know? And like, they can like they yeah. can lift you up so you can say, uh, someone you respect who is a good role model okay. for you, you know? Uh, and then, so who can we look up? And so we can look up, that's why we have saints, Right to have these ultimate role models who have struggled through these things, mm-hmm. and and yet gone by. Usually, I think though, for a big part, saints we we're left with this romantic ideal of the saints, and so that becomes not very useful. But 
we need saints in our own life. Yes. I know someone in my life who is uh, who challenges me uh, by their virtue. I see they're virtuous, and I I want to be like them, you know, in that way. Mm-hmm. And it's like if they're being that virtuous, why am I not that virtuous? That's the biggest motivator for me uh, to to be more virtuous. In some area of my life, I have deadened my conscience to you know, to, uh, reading the Summa, you know, <laughs> it's a, the, the ultimate virtue to read the Summa, right? <laughs> uh, but I've not read the Summa for so long that having not read it for so long, I don't care about it anymore. Right. But I know someone who does read it and they're, I, I see their life. It's good life. And they are reading the Summa all the time. So therefore, uh, I am lifted up by the presence. Okay, that's one right. way. One way. Yeah, find somebody concrete in your life. Because now that you and I have had this conversation where I've I've told you that I'm going to read the catechism and all that jazz, next time I see you, I, I would hope that you're right. going to ask me, hey, right. Aaron, Absolutely. how's it going with Every that? Time. Yeah. <laughs> As a good friend, you would ask sure. me that. No, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so exactly. find somebody concrete mm-hmm. who they're going to they're gonna start the conversation with you. Right. Right. Also, so whenever we have a vice in our life, right? A vice is a bad habit. A virtue is a good habit. A habit is an action that's done over and over till it becomes easy and quick, uh, you know, quick to do. Mm. So if we have a, a bad vice of, of uh, you know, someone is having sex before marriage on a regular basis, and then uh, what's the opposite? They have to say, okay, first they have to confess it. They have to say, I recognize that's wrong before God. I know the truth and I, and I, before the truth, I have not met up to the standard. And now I am going to, uh, I am going to reverse that and practice the opposite action. And in practicing the opposite action of chastity, uh, guarding chastity, then I develop the virtue of chastity which is that habit of being chaste. Right. And we do that for for every vice, there's an opposite virtue, Mm -hmm. right? So, um, yeah. Yeah. No, that's a really good point, is the, okay, concretely, okay, because it, it, I mean, we don't do that in any other facet of our life where we say, okay, here's the problem, easy one, weight control, right? Let's Mm -hmm. say, okay, I'm fat, right? Mm -hmm. I'm way out of shape. You're not going to just all of a sudden, oh, man, I'm doing everything. I'm just going to get in shape, right? you got to pick yeah. something concrete that you're going to do. You have, could, you have the ideal. It's really good to have a friend who's in shape. Yes. You know? Who's going to ask you about it. But then, okay, you got to find something concrete, which in the spiritual life, okay, if I have this consistent vice, what is the virtue of that? And what does that look like in my life? Okay, so chastity. What is chastity made up of self-control discipline things like that okay what can i do to discipline myself right mm-hmm. there you go yeah and then so, and so then someone's someone's who's uh who's uh not who's not healthy right who's overweight uh, there's a reason they're overweight you got to find that reason they're overweight so yes they're me, very it's consistent because i eat too much let's let's say let's pretend you know, and so instead even though of, you're an Adonis, I mean, <laughs> right, right, yeah. 
<laughs> we all agree. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but but I mean, so what is the opposite? I sometimes I have to not eat. Mm. I have to practice not eating. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and in practicing not eating, the more I take up the habit, the more I can. It's fine if I don't eat between meals, and it's fine if I give up. You know, a meal a day, and and uh, then. I will develop the habit of healthy eating, and then I will develop the, from that will come a healthy, feeling healthy, having a healthy body. Right. And it's the same thing with the spiritual And then eventually, if what we're saying, if I'm on track with what you're saying, eventually by habitually practicing that virtue, your conscience will be molded. So like, in this, like okay, if we're talking about weight <laughs> control, right? About conscience, yeah. Yes. Good. So with weight control, okay, if you, if you start developing these habits of healthy lifestyle healthy healthy eating eventually you'll get to a point to where that starts to feel good and eating unhealthy and not moving is going to feel bad right right so are we saying that the same thing will happen spiritually then if we start doing the Mm. good things habitually Mm -hmm. eventually you'll get to the point to where the bad things feel bad Exactly. That is virtue, and that that is exactly it. That's exactly, yeah. Well put. Well put. Because there you go. Um, it is sometimes we look at the saints like, oh, they have all of they do all of these things right. They pray, and we all we see in them is this. Oh, they suffer so much in praying all day in front of the Blessed Sacrament. But for the one who is virtuous and who is called to a life of continual prayer, for example, mm-hmm. it's easy for them. Right. And it's a joy and it's freedom for them to be in front of the Blessed Sacrament throughout the day. Right. You know, and it's not a hardship, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, and that's a big mistake that people have in the beginning of the spiritual life. Um, like going back to myself reading St. John of the Cross, my first Catholic book I ever read. Right. Is that you have to realize that it's freedom and joy to have negations yeah it's it's freedom and joy to ascend the mountain to the cross and to be on the cross with jesus and when you first begin it's hard to imagine that that's freedom and joy right but the more you walk on that path and you get rid of earthly attachments yeah you gain that freedom and you gain and and then and you recognize soon the world, the things of the world are, they're, they're ugly. They're right. disgusting. They're, they're, they're not worthy of you and because you have freedom in Christ. Yes. Hmm. It's beautiful. Awesome. Oh, that was really well put. Very, very well put. Well, great. Let's end on there because that feels really good. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it, guys. Uh, this has been uh, the podcast. Thanks for uh, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Hopefully, you got a little bit out of the conversation. I know that I for sure did. That was very rewarding for me, and mm-hmm. I appreciate it. I appreciate this time. Yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was all good. Didn't chime in as much, but I, you know, this is definitely a sideline conversation for me to you know watch Aaron and, and Father Nathan talk about these these concepts and these ideas. You know, very interesting. I thought I learned a whole bunch. Definitely for for sure. And this was. A good first podcast. It only lasted maybe 30, 40 minutes or so. 47 minutes, actually. But uh, it was a good time. Many more to come. Many more questions. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. Thanks for uh, 
having me on your show. It's <laughs> <laughs> great. It's awesome. <laughs> it's awesome. Good. I just love having these conversations, <laughs> and I, I hope that everyone will have this conversation with us and think about these things, and um, hopefully we inspire people to be virtuous and, and uh, again, living on, you know, at least prick their conscience yeah. At least have some friends who will uh, hold them accountable, you know. Which is the cool thing about a podcast. And if, people, if, people, yeah. if people have questions, they could ask us those questions. Be like, hey, maybe talk about this topic. So, mm-hmm. Absolutely. So and definitely the invite's out there. Big invitation. All right. Yeah. Very good. Bye.